Hi, I'm Tony Preckwinkle. I'm chair of the Cook County Democratic Party, and I'd like to welcome you to The 80, our podcast about the party, its candidates, and its leaders. We're beginning the podcast by interviewing our elected Democratic committee people to discuss their backgrounds and thoughts about the history and future of our Democratic Party. Today, I'm excited to welcome Tracy Katz-Mull. I did it right, Tracy? You did. <laughs> All right, Tracy Katz-Mull who serves as the chair of the Northfield Township Democratic uh, Party. We're very grateful to have you. Um, I understand you're also uh, president of the Northbrook School District 28 Board of Education, right? That's right, and what a year it's been for school boards. I started to say, we'll talk about that a little bit. Uh, and you're also a partner in a law firm. And I was teasing you earlier about the fact that you didn't sleep clearly. Not often, but I do <laughs> All right, let's start a little bit. So you're a native to the region. Uh, you went away to, to uh, Washington, D.C., to Georgetown to go to college, and then came back here to go to law school and uh, been here ever since. So tell us a little bit of how you got in politics, got involved in politics. My parents, I would say, are the original piece of how I got involved. They took uh, their involvement in elections and voting very seriously. My little sister and I never missed an election. I remember voting on those old punch sample ballots they would give the children where you could pick who you wanted to vote for for president, whether it was Washington or Lincoln. Um, and this was very much ingrained in our household, even when they were disagreeing. My parents weren't always on the same side or choosing to vote for the same party, but they really modeled for us the importance of debate and discussion and participation. Okay, so they're so the ones who got it started. So civic engagement was kind of uh, uh, the mantra in your household, huh? Very much so, although the person who gets me formally involved in politics is now State Senator Laura Fine. Laura Fine. Okay, tell us how that came about. Laura and I met working at a nonprofit that used to be here in Northfield Township. Um, at the time, it was called Links and then Angles, and now the programs are part of Glendale Northbrook Youth Services. Um, I was a volunteer in the Pride program there, and she was on the board, and they asked me to eventually join the board. And so I got to know Laura through that and was part of a team of volunteers who stuffed envelopes and things like that for her first race for state rep. And then years later with my school board hat on, I reached out to her because I was dealing with an issue where possible state law developments were being pressed as a rationale for schools not to do certain things. And so I met with her to work through the policy impact here and what was the best thing to do as a board member. She gave me some good advice, but she asked me for two things. And one was to join the executive team at Democrats of Northfield Township. And the second one was to apply for Illinois Women's Institute for Leadership. So Laura is really the one who gets the formal credit. All right. So let's talk a little bit about your school, school board leadership. As you said, this has been an extraordinary time uh, for public education and for our schools. How have you navigated that? We've been very fortunate. Uh, up here in Northbrook, there are actually three different well, four different school districts that have parts of their district boundaries in Northbrook. Two of them are split between Northbrook and Glenview, and there's a third large district in Glenview. So all said, there are five suburban feeder districts that all feed into the high school district here, which is 225 Glenbrook North and Glenbrook South. Um, and of those districts, four of them have been able to run at least partial in-person or hybrid learning, and two of them, including the one that I'm the president at, have been able to model what a a socially distanced full five-day program looks like. And it's a function of three Fs we've been calling them, facilities, funding, and faculty. Uh, we've been fortunate in all of those departments. And so we were one of the schools that really did pilot doing 12 or 14 by the time we were done with them, weeks of full in-person learning with students socially distanced and with masks. 
And we've now gone into what's called an adaptive pause phase where we're going to be off from essentially the Thanksgiving break until the holidays in January. So it's, it's been uh, exciting, but it's also been um, high stress, I think, for everybody involved to try and navigate how to do this safely and to try and model some of the practices that as this pandemic goes on, other districts can use to have children safely in the buildings. I, you know, I'm a teacher, as you know, and yes. spent, spent 10 years in the classroom, and I'm, I'm very worried about the educational losses that our, our young people uh, are going to be faced with as a result of um, remote learning. It's, it's much harder to figure out whether the kids are, are um, learning the material, engaged, you know, when you're, when you're doing a lot of Zoom um, classes or whatever. And uh, it says, you, you say that you've been able to, to, to do this um, with more in-person learning. How, how, have you, how have you managed that? So we're running two programs side by side. We have an in-person program and we have a fully remote learning academy. So for students, for instance, that are high risk themselves from high risk families, have a lower risk tolerance for any number of reasons, they have had a fully remote program. Okay. Uh, which has been adapted substantially from the spring. In spring, everybody was really in sort of emergency remote learning mode. Uh, there's a much more finely tuned program that's running five days a week for about a quarter of the students, and the other three quarters were the ones who were in person throughout, though now they've also all shifted. So right now we are 100% remote. Uh, there has been data back and forth to keep an eye on both cohorts. Uh, so I'm less worried really within the district than I am countywide and statewide and nationwide, because like I noted before, those three Fs, the facilities, the funding, and the faculty really drove our ability to do this. And that ability simply isn't uniform statewide. And that's something that's been the case and been problematic and been a, a driver for finding new funding sources for ages. Yeah, one of the things that, um, that concerns me is that the inequities that we see in our society across the board are being magnified by the pandemic, and that's surely true in our education system. Absolutely, and the more recent data that was coming out from the testing organization and WEA is substantiating that. All right, that's a concern, but let's, let's move, if we can, from our educational challenges to our Democratic Party challenges. Tell us a little bit about what your township is like and your, your organization, your township organization. Our township has really changed over the years. When I grew up here, it was what a typical suburb would have been like 40-ish years ago, uh, where there was an awful lot of ballot splitting going on. These were notoriously independent parts of Cook County in terms of how people voted and how they divvied up their votes across the ballot. And we've watched that development shift over the years as the suburbs have become more and more and more blue. Uh, to the point where in the last couple of elections, all or virtually all of the Democratic candidates and policies are being successful. So now when we're looking at uh, running races up here, we have solid Democratic candidates for all of the offices, and there are just a couple of races that we really focus in on uh, to see where we can communicate about why these are values that the suburbs can and should share. So it allows a much more targeted effort uh, for what is overwhelmingly now a blue area of the Cook County map. So this is part of the suburban transformation from either Republican Absolutely. or, in your case, ticket splitters uh, to more Democratic-leaning um, townships. Yes, and evolution in the candidates, too. When, when I was young, I can remember um, there being candidates here from the Republican Party that were pro-choice candidates. Um, and some of those candidates have just been marginalized as the... Um, changes have happened over the years. And so uh, as the core issues of 
the Democratic Party have become more and more resident here in the suburbs, you've seen that shift become stronger and stronger until the point where uh, here really it is very difficult uh, to be successful without being part of the Democratic ticket. Wow, well, that's a good thing for us. <laughs> it, it's a good thing for us, but more so it's a good thing for policy. I, I like that we're at a point where these issues are uncontroversial and we're really just talking about the fine tuning of other aspects of financial policy and that where everybody seems to be better able to have civil conversations surrounding what's best and what are good constructive steps forward. So I've, I've been really encouraged by the election result in November, of course, and I know you and your folks uh, worked very hard. Tell us what you what you hope for in the in the Biden Harris administration. Goodness, the Biden Harris administration, I think, really needs to focus on um, moving quickly um, towards policy progress. We have a lot of work to make up for in terms of what happened in the last four years, uh, putting major nationwide initiatives, things like the climate, um, back into the forefront that never really should have taken a backseat, um, stabilizing some of the issues surrounding immigration. There's quick work to do on the executive policy side of things. Um, but then depending on what happens in the Senate, um, we'll see where we can move forward and how quickly we can move forward on issues that have to do with the economy and relief for people and businesses who've suffered during the pandemic uh, and other issues like equality that have really taken a back seat in the last four years. I, uh, I was saying earlier that I heard uh, President-elect Biden uh, talking about his cabinet and saying that he mm -hmm. was going to have the most diverse cabinet in American history by gender and race. And that's, uh, that's surely encouraging, that emphasis on inclusion and uh, trying to be sure that all of the country is represented in the folks that we see in leadership in the cabinet. Um, let me ask you something. To turn it back to, to local politics, um, what do you see that the party locally needs to do to strengthen itself, not just in, in your township, but across the county? In Northfield Township, my focus has been keeping the field team engaged throughout the year. The field team is probably the proudest thing for us as an organization over the last several years. We've built out to the point where we can routinely run several hundred shifts of in-person volunteers surrounding a primary or general election, but we want to see what we can do to keep them engaged at other points in the year. So for instance, we've got this upcoming consolidated election in April that focuses on township and municipal offices. Can we continue to keep that sentiment and, and eagerness from our democratic volunteers engaged so that we're seeing success, not just now at the federal and state and county level, but also at the township and municipal government level. And certainly the early signs are good. We had excellent candidates expressing interest in both of the municipality elections as well as the township election. And we're hoping to build volunteer and donor support surrounding that process over the next four months. Yeah, one of my criticisms of the Democratic Party nationally is we haven't put enough energy into building the bench, mm -hmm. um, trying to support you know local elected officials who then might you know run for higher office. Um, so I'm I'm grateful to to hear that your organization is focused on these municipal elections in the spring, um, because that's the that's the kind of breeding ground right for for upcoming leaders in our party. Very much so. In fact, that's how Senator Fine did get her start. She was the township clerk. Oh, okay. <laughs> Your mentor. Yes, indeed. All right. If you were giving advice to the next chair of the, of the Democratic National Committee, the DNC, what would it be in terms of, of building up the party across the country? I think the first thing would be to speak directly to the communities where we expected and, and need to have more success. That isn't necessarily my community. We were very successful with suburban voters in areas like where I live, uh, Biden got 65 
plus percent in the township, even more than that in the suburb Northbrook where I live. Uh, but there were working class communities and minority communities where our numbers weren't as high as we predicted they would be. And so I would say engaging directly with leadership in those communities to hear from those voices, those voters, uh, as opposed to a group of people off in a room in DC or even Chicago or Springfield kind of speaking for those communities. I think we need to have national democratic leadership engaging directly in those conversations and um, not speaking for them, that this has to be a direct connection uh, to those audiences so we can mold our policy and, and platform better to make everybody feel included again in the big tent model of the party. Um, when you spoke about uh, some parts of your township where um, the results weren't quite what you expected, you were referring to turnout, I presume. Is that correct? Turnout was very high. In fact, oh. turnout is 79% here. Okay. Um, there were a couple of uh, mid or down ballot races um, that didn't quite come out the way I expected. One wasn't a surprise, a candidate who was a neighbor and longstanding um, person in the community, that race kind of split just on a hair. Fair tax was obviously a really difficult sell up here. Mm -hmm. While the communications for that statewide were talking about 3%, uh, in most of my township, it was a closer to a 10 or 11% number, a little higher if you go to the east side pocket that is Northfield, the suburb, not Northfield, the township. Um, and so on that specific policy issue, that was more of a challenge here. And we're going to have to find other ways now to work through the budget. And that process is going to be painful in Springfield. Unfortunately, um, probably very painful. I'm not sure that, that the voters understood that that would be a consequence of the failure to approve. I don't either. And certainly in the schools community, uh, this is heartbreaking and especially worrisome for schools that are underfunded and for higher education. There, there were a number of terrible things that happened in the Rauner years, but one of them was that we did not uh, fund public education at any level uh, to the degree that we, uh, we should be funding it. And in particular, our public universities suffered uh, tremendously during those times. And it, it, was, it was the conflict, of course, between the governor and the, and the legislature, but not having resources has the same result. I mean, you just end up with uh, really difficult choices to make that, that are, as you said, very painful. Is there anything else that we haven't touched upon that you'd like to address in our, in our session today? Field operations, I suppose, is the thing as a committee person that I'm most passionate about. Good. Uh, it's something that was an old school, traditional kind of political tool, right? Having people at the polls and precinct captains. And well, that model for some people today sounds like history. To me, again, it feels like future. Uh, especially as we start seeing growth in mail voting and the possibility of that being expanded or even mandated at some point. It's going to continue to require to the need to have more people in the field talking to voters, making sure that they're doing their online voter registration, updating their registration records, requesting their vote by mail ballots, and communicating more effectively with people by mail and digital means. So our township runs a sample ballot program and the ability to fund providing that sample ballot by mail, but also by digital means, email, social media, website, is going to be critical as an organization. And I hope to continue to build the field team, build motivation and sentiment and excitement and, and dollars, of course, to, to fund the program um, through the hard work of our, our field members. And that's something that I'm hoping as we go forward, more and more organizations get involved in because an educated voter can vote the whole ballot all the way down to the very last judge We've seen more than ever in these last years how much judges matter, how important judicial elections are. So that's where my focus and energy is going to be, continuing to develop field operations and field team and 
hoping that that continues to spread, not just throughout Cook County, but throughout Illinois. Well, the history of the Democratic Party is, is sort of precinct captains and Indeed. Mm-hmm. Neighbors, uh, neighbors who connect other residents to services and to um, hopefully good candidates uh, that they can support. Um, and, and clearly we need to engage in that kind of, uh, you, we call it field work, sometimes we call it precinct work, um, mm-hmm. again, if we're going to be successful as a party. Right, well, ambassadors. Thank ambassadors, thank you very much. Thank you very much. Well, I, I am grateful, Tracy, for, for your joining us today for this podcast, and uh, thank you for your service. Thank you so much. It's wonderful to be a part of this organization. All right. Take care.